I am so eager to get started with this conversation with my dear friend, Megan Miller. Megan came to the No Longer Virtual in Denver for the second year, which was um, in 2018. And we had met via LinkedIn before that. And I was just so happy to have her add her energy to that No Longer Virtual. And she hasn't missed one since. So Megan, thank you so much for joining me on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me and and for holding this space. Well, you know, that's like the thing is to hold space for these stories. And I know you're going to add more to this than I can even imagine, because we really haven't talked about this topic, just the two of us. We've had lots of other conversations. But for our listeners, uh, let's get started with the first question, of course, which is, can you tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you? So I, I've been thinking about this question because I knew it was coming up. And I unfortunately didn't have the opportunity to, like your previous guest, go and like text my friends and say, what, what about you surprised me? So I'm going to go with something that I have not shouted from the internet, cable, ethernet rooftops yet, which is I've had clinical anxiety and depression since I was 13. And my nickname my freshman year in college was Bubbles because I had such a bubbly personality. And to this day, I get feedback of, we need your positive energy and we need all of this. And I'm like, that's fantastic. And for so long under the surface, I had like these little Loch Ness monsters floating around in in my head because there was this um, quote that I read that as we get older, the monsters move from under our beds to into our heads. And that move was quick for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of the highlights of of life, of career, there's always been like only just a few, just the select few know just kind of the breadth and depth of a lot of my own personal mental health struggles, which is so strange because we're told to be authentic and, and to, you know, present our best selves to the, to the internet, to, to everyone else. And growing up, I was so ashamed of that, of like, oh, no, we, we don't talk about it. I mean, we don't talk about Bruno is, you know, <laughs> playing in my head right now. And the culture is coming so that more and more people are talking about it. But it is still terrifying. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Even though I know you, even <laughs> though I feel supported by you, I still get terrified to tell people that. Wow. Yeah, coming right out of the gate. Well, what's what's fascinating, I did know that about you because we had a conversation about that early, early on in our relationship, which is part of why we're so close is because you trusted me with that information and I, I honored it in you. And that relationship is what I think makes things um so much easier to celebrate the wins when you have a relationship like that. And I I think most of us have a relationship with someone, if not our own mental health issues, we have a relationship with someone who struggles with anxiety and depression or, or other things. 
But as far as I can see, a lot more people are struggling with that than ever in the history of my experience. Yeah, either there's str- more people are struggling or more people are outwardly struggling. I was in mm-hmm. a meeting earlier this morning and I just kind of mentioned offhand like, yeah, I was working with my therapist on this one thing because this one thing was getting me stuck in business. 4 years ago I wouldn't have said that. Right. <laughs> 4 months ago maybe I wouldn't have said it to that group. And and there has to be kind of a sense of vulnerability and belonging and I remember my first no longer virtual and we were talking about vulnerability. And I was like, oh, is, is this the forum to share that? I don't know. This is this is my deepest, darkest secret. This is the one with all the cobwebs. This is the one with all the trauma mm-hmm. associated with it. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I don't feel comfortable sharing that yet. But what I got from that session in particular was there has to be a context or a reason or an intention behind it. We can't just go out and air all of our trauma willy-nilly. Right. Right. Well, that comes down to that conversation that uh, I can't remember who started this. I know Charlotte Wittenkamp got in on it, but it was about how we share our vulnerability and when it's too much information. And mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to throw out some names here because there was a conversation on LinkedIn and Charlotte Wittenkamp is a master connector and sharer these days on LinkedIn and commenting on people's posts and sharing other people's posts. And she mentioned this and then Mark O'Brien got involved in it, who is a hilarious writer and also um, direct, just incredibly direct. And we talked about the fact that so many people have the, the issue of sharing too much information and how much vulnerability can we share? And do I feel vulnerable? sharing something? And does that connect me with your audience or with the audience? And it all comes back to exactly what you just said is context. And that's what Mark and Charlotte and I discussed in the comments on that post, because you're so right. Just sharing vulnerably without any specific intention behind it doesn't help your brand in any way. And, and it doesn't a, help you. No, 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 it doesn't. And it's the same for when you're sharing on any social media or any platform at all, making sure that it fits how you want to be known. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't relate to your business and how you want to be known, maybe it doesn't belong in that forum. Yes. And for so long, I I hid that part of myself, not only because I had mentioned it before to friends or boyfriends, and they looked at me like I was the most disgusting thing on the planet. And they were like, I can't believe, oh my God, why would you do that? And and I it I I had a lot of trust issues, obviously, after that. <laughs> but also it didn't fit into, I mean, the stories that I was telling myself it it didn't fit into that career of being in a woman in tech or you know being a consultant or being a problem solver how could I be a problem solver if I can't even solve my own problems in my own head 
<laughs> Which I have to say, I think that's kind of funny only because how many psychiatrists and psychologists have disastrous relationships with their children? I mean, really. And there are so many times I consider myself a communication coach and I am really good at what I do. And yet I'll have a conversation with one of my young adult sons. They're uh, 21 and 23, almost 24, or my husband, or even my mother. And I'll be kicking myself this whole internal dialogue for hours afterward thinking, Sarah, you're a communication coach and you totally fucked that up. (laughs) So the idea that just because you can't solve your own problems doesn't mean you can't help others solve theirs is kind of silly when you think about it, because we all know our own stuff is our own stuff. And everyone knows it's so much easier to guide others than it is to listen to your own advice. But also the advice that we give out a lot of times is the advice that we need to hear Exactly at that point in time. I mean, the reason why I'm becoming a little bit more upfront with some of my mental health challenges is simply because it goes into confidence. It goes into your ego, your identity, the the mushy-gushy stuff that happens inside your your own head and how it's really hard either learning a language or trying to communicate because bad English days. I'm, I have them for sure. (laughs) And um, it's, it's so hard to kind of go through the motions of that while also just going, well, what, what do I know? Am I an expert? And that's why we look to external validation so much. Mm -hmm. Well, and What you said just triggered a thought too, is that you are in the learning industry. You teach people to speak a different language. You're teaching Spanish to people. And as a teacher, as someone who wants to create an environment of trust in order to learn, being able to share a little of that vulnerability about your experience opens up the door for them to be more eager to learn. It makes their brain more likely accepting what you have to say. If you're acknowledging that they may struggle with these things too, they know somebody who struggles with this. Um, And so I think as a teacher, and this is part of why I share so vulnerably, is because I am teaching people to share stories. Yeah. And as a teacher, you can't do that without, no one's going to learn from you if they don't have a sense of connection with you. Absolutely. And it's it's also kind of creating conflict a little bit when when you teach. It's like, okay, we have this thing. Why can't you master it? Oh, wait, it's okay because I struggled with this too. And here are some mm-hmm. ways that we can work through it together. And Hannah Gadsby, um, this wonderful comic from Australia, shares that in her Nanette special, which I will watch on replay at any point in time. Because she's creating conflict and telling you the parts of the story that she has used in the past that are self-deprecating, that are funny, that get laughs. And then she tells the other side of the story. And Mm -hmm. the way that the story actually finishes in real life is terrifying. It's horrible. It's traumatic. But it makes you remember it. Because our brains are just wired to remember some of the bad things. More than All the, the bad things. things. 
<laughs> I know. That's uh, I, I interviewed uh, Stephen Magling, who wrote a blog post on the Elephant Journal years ago and has gotten, uh, what, over half a million views or something on this article. And it's based on a um, a quote that is, if if that's not nice, I don't know what is. And the idea being, if you notice something good and you stop yourself from just glossing over it or just going, oh, what a pretty flower, but actually stopping yourself and thinking, well, if that's not nice, I don't know what is, smelling it, maybe taking a picture of it. It makes it so that you actually remember the good stuff more than the bad if you train your brain to do that. And you and I both know Melissa Hughes, the uh, neuroscience deep dive wicked smart woman <laughs> who has her PhD in education. So the combination is just amazing. She talks about that all the time. And there's actually a quote from her book in my book about target fixation. So yeah, I just went totally off topic here, but <laughs> we'll I come back. I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. <laughs> well, let's, let's go back. Um, we, this is going to come full circle really easily because of the way we began this conversation. Can you share with our audience, just so they have some context, what you do, but not just what you do, but tell us about a recent experience you had that was with a client that made you feel like you're doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing. So I was, um, I actually heard this this week, so it's it's top of mind that uh, the project manager called me and she said, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to anonymize the name a little bit and say, uh, David was calling our, our ex-office worker who moved away last year and he was talking to her in English and she was so gobsmacked because when she was working with us, he, he didn't have any confidence and he didn't know how to have a conversation in English. And then after that phone call ended, he was asking some questions because David is very curious and um, they were translating in Spanish and English what some of those words mean. Wow. So I, I help people connect through language, through Spanish and English, through teaching English and through teaching Spanish and build the bridge between languages. That is awesome. Wow. What a great feeling to know that they are communicating. I guess we're kind of in the same business <laughs> in a way that they understand each other. I, I, one thing I say is that even if you're speaking the same language, we're often not speaking the same language. Yes. And that's how I present the strengths finder stuff that I do. But wow, that must have just made you glow. It it was such a happy feeling because I was like, I finally worked myself out of a job, so to speak, <laughs> with language because language just does change every day. I mean, the job is never done, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But it was it was a really good kind of you know level that that we can reach. It's like, oh wow, there's a new baseline for for some good feelings there. Yes, a new baseline. That's a perfect way to put it. 
you've just lifted the baseline. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that that happens with everything we learn. And when we have a good coach, that baseline gradually goes up and then all of a sudden it feels like a light switch is going on, but you and I both know it's on a dimmer switch, but there's something, some interaction that when we look back, we can say, oh, that that was when I realized the light bulb had come on. It yes. had been coming on, but you don't notice it until that moment. And that's when David noticed or when you notice and you could point it out to him. Look at what just happened here. Absolutely. Oh, and and the hard part is sometimes we're we're too close to it. Like I remember um, working with the horses growing up and we had a couple of babies. And, you know, every day we'll go out and brush and, you know, get used to them getting their ears touched and things. And they're growing, but we don't notice it. It's not until we go somewhere else and we get someone else's perspective. Oh, my God. Is that Molly? She's grown, you know, five hands since I since I last saw her. That's 20 inches for all the non-horsey people. And <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I guess she is bigger. But I, the same thing happens when you have kids. And it's funny because you see other people's kids and you're like, oh, my gosh, they've grown so much. But you look at your own. And until there's some particular thing that changes, like, or somebody else says it, then you notice, I remember when our older son's voice changed and I hadn't really noticed, like I must've subconsciously noticed, but it was one of my my friends called, this is back when we had a home phone (laughs) and she called and Jacob said, mom, it's for you. And I picked up the phone and my friend said, oh my gosh, Sarah, I thought it was Bob that answered the phone. I thought it was his dad because his voice has changed so much. And I thought, oh my gosh, it has. How did I miss that? The squeaking stopped. It's just low now, but the same thing happens. So, and, and I love that in the context of learning a language that you are just learning, you're just growing, you're gradually improving, but then all of a sudden you have a full conversation with somebody and that, that aha moment hits you. Oh my gosh, I've come a really long way. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, I I see that because I'm in a huge proponent of, you know, teachers have teachers, coaches have coaches, therapists have therapists. Like you have to have that outside perspective to show you where you're kind of going blind, where your blind spots are. And I was working with my tutor this morning. And for the first time, we did an auditory exam which I'm horrible at learning like listening and focusing it's it's quite terrible I you know did my 10 questions and I got one wrong I was like oh that's a huge thing to celebrate right but it's it's celebrating those little wins sometimes we don't celebrate them because the expectation has changed the baseline has changed (laughs) we're like oh it's just another Tuesday oh, I just landed this client. It's just another Wednesday versus, you know, starting a business. You're like, oh my God, like bring out the champagne. It'll right. be cheap champagne, but <laughs> champagne nonetheless. But you celebrate that first check you receive. Absolutely. That first EFT that comes to your bank account. You're like, oh, 
maybe this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. And that that's also part of the whole imposter syndrome thing. And my cousin, Aaron Balick posted these two TikToks in a row on, on imposter syndrome. And as you know, our, our dear friend, Melissa Hughes did a, a whole TEDx on imposter syndrome that was outstanding. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes on this blog, on this podcast episode. But Aaron Dr. Aaron Balick, it's so weird to call my cousin that because I've known him his whole life. Um, he, The first one was part of imposter syndrome is that people who struggle with this have a tendency to externally explain away our success and internally explain why we failed. So there are all these external reasons that we did well. Um, oh, I was just in the right place at the right time. Oh, that person really supported me. And, you know, I was just lucky. But when we fail, we own it. We're like, oh, I just totally messed that up and I should have known better and all that stuff. So that was the first part. And I was like, oh my gosh, that really resonates with me. Mostly because I know so many people that go the opposite direction, where if they win something, they own it. And if they lose something, it's somebody else's fault which drives me crazy, drives me crazy. But then the other part of his TikTok video was the second one, which was part of the reason um, people struggle with this is that they are achievers, which, you know, in, in StrengthsFinder, I don't have achiever my top talents, but when you look at my Enneagram, that's what, that's the label they give me an Enneagram because I'm constantly learning and changing and growing and choosing those changes. And that's part of imposter syndrome is that when we are achievers, when we decide to go for something new, we are always putting ourselves a little out of our comfort zone. So once we finally develop some sort of expertise, we can only own it momentarily because we're stepping to the next thing already. So this this all is so related and relatable. It it. It is. And I think that we all have little degrees of imposter syndrome, whether whether we choose to show them or not, um, that show up in different ways. For me, it's always been kind of certification. I want to get externally graded <laughs> and say that I am good enough. And perhaps that's, you know, from the 13 years that I showed horses, because you go in and you are, you know, on the horse that you're on and you might try your best you may not win. There might be somebody else better, but it's hard when you're in that place going around that arena going, am I really the best one? And a lot of times running a business on the internet is the same way because you're in this huge arena with so many people. You can go in this compare and despair until your eyes turn, you know, bloody. And <laughs> you're like, am I really the best one? Am I really good enough? Or am I really good, period? Mm -hmm. And I mean, confidence, humility, ego, imposter syndrome, it's, it's all related because a lot of times the things that are in our heads are not necessarily what we choose to show to the public. And they aren't necessarily things that are validated internally or externally. Mm -hmm. So let's bring this full circle, as I promised. When you think about a, a handful of moments where you had the dimmer switch, but then the light came on, what are a couple of those moments where you you had that light switch come on about your business? 
for me, it was hearing that I was assertive and um, aggressive in a performance review. And that's when I decided there's no room for me to grow at this company. I'm, you know, going to leave. <laughs> Hell or high water. <laughs> I'm going to leave um, because words, words are powerful. The other one, I mean, I, I can count to, you know, the clients that I've helped and the stories that they tell and everything, but it's really just an amalgamation of all of that. Um, and it's also when I started leaning into some of my intuition. And for me, I'm not too much of a woo person. Like I do light a candle and do yoga sometimes, but that's about it. <laughs> so intuition is out of my comfort zone. It's scary, but it's so necessary because it's that gut feeling. It's that gut feeling that when I started doing my business as a side hustle back in 2018, and I had to fire my first client because he was mansplaining his own translation. And I was like, you, you hired me to do a translation, sir. Your translation is not correct. I'm telling you that mine is, you know, this is a 200 page book. What are you going to do? Right. And he was calling and texting incessantly. And I was like, this is not a good relationship. So it's it's those kinds of nudges that I'm kind of leaning into because there's this transformation that I've been noticing that growing up as a millennial, we I, I remember time without technology. I remember time when everyone was obsessed with technology um, and the new technology and everything was filtered. All of our photos were filtered. All of our you know, even web searches were filtered sometimes. We didn't know about algorithms. That wasn't even a word in our vocabulary. Times are kind of changing now to where people are leaning into more authenticity and not, you know, not doing a video with your hair perfectly done or your makeup fully on and just saying like, hey, I want to I want to come on here because I had this thought and I thought that you might want to know too. I'm seeing more and more of that. And that to me is just, it's perfection and imperfection because we, we are all human and it's that, you know, joint exposition, I guess, right. of, of the internet. So that didn't really answer your question. Well, it kind of did. I, I, first of all, I can't imagine somebody describing you as aggressive. Assertive, yes, but aggressive seems like a hardcore word for you. <laughs> but um, but I guess because I know you, I know that when you are ideating, which is a strengths finder thing, uh, when you have these ideas and you happen to have development strengths, which means when you have an idea about how something could be better, you're right. That's that's part of your natural talents. And it's when you get excited about something, when you know something could be done well and that it could be impactful, of course you'd be assertive about it. So if somebody took it as aggressive, that was their bad. That had nothing to do with you. And and it also could be, you know, I'm misremembering because it is a story that I tell myself of I I remember that day. I remember that conference room and you know, my hands were very cold and I was nervous because I was always nervous about a performance review because, you know, 
who isn't? Are there any people that really aren't? (laughs) For someone who likes to be externally judged through all these certifications and things, I don't like one-on-one judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's so subjective. It it really is. And so that, that was the story that I told myself of, okay, there's no real future for me here. Because yes, I can spend five years and I can do good or I can move on and, you know, continue my IT career somewhere else. But there was always that niggle in the back of my mind. And I was always waiting. I was waiting for um, the right time. I was waiting to get more established in my career that I was planning on leaving. I was waiting on, you know, more money, more stability, something. Always waiting on these external factors. But when we look internally, I was ready. Mm. And to this day, I have a post-it on my computer that says, you are ready. Because so often we hold ourselves back. But the reality is that we're, we're ready. We've been ready. We just need to get the balls and go do it. <laughs> well, and surround ourselves with the right people. I think one of the biggest things for me to be able to become self-employed was making sure I had the right support network. And Absolutely. doing StrengthsFinder really was a game changer for me and my business not just because that's now as a certified coach that I do this with teams and I see major, major improvements and impact, but it's because for me, I had to realize that I couldn't do it all and certainly not do it all well. And there were a couple moments at NLV Denver, which was, um, that was the year that I left my job shortly after that. It was um, when Ben Walker and Eric Elkins, my brother, did the scaling your business conversation. And they said, Ben Walker said this, and I've repeated this over and over again. So I hope he listens to this. I'm going to tag him on it when we share it. He said, you started your business because you are really good and passionate at, because you you really care about and you're really good at ABC. If you are spending your time doing DE enough, you are leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that, well, every session has left me with ideas and, and things to, to act on. But another one was when, um, and the, how I implemented that, how I applied it was a year later. So I left my job. That was in February. I left my job in July and ran in circles for at least three or four months before I actually got my act together. And a few months after that, so it was almost a year later, I hired a bookkeeper. Because I was spending time trying to figure out my bookkeeping instead of coaching, instead of hosting my podcast, instead of planning the next No Longer Virtual Summit. And I'm telling you, as soon as I hired a bookkeeper that was solid and trained me to do some of the things myself, but basically took on what I needed, my income went up way more than enough to cover the cost of that bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. Just as soon as I set that little obligation aside and delegated it to somebody else, it's surrounding ourselves with the people that can help us identify and deal with our blind spots. For me, that's the executing domain. I have nothing in there. And so I've found that I have tools that I've hired either as a a platform, an app, or a person. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's that. Those were my big aha moments with my business. So, what's one that you can share before we wrap this up? 
I think for me, it was the concentric circles. You say that you were running around before getting your act together. I've been doing concentric circles where I see the same thing over and over again, but it's the delegating and creating the process. I'm a very visual person, so I have to have a process map. And it's something that I used to do in my IT career a lot of just like, okay, well, let's just talk about it and let's just map it out visually. I do that for my own things now. I Every time that I have a launch, every time that I have a new product, every time that I have even a new lead magnet, I map out a process and take the time and say, this is a decision. What if they say yes? What if they say no? Because we only focus on one of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's wow. also, it's it's surrounding myself with the right people. And for me, that was a huge part of No Longer Virtual. I was scared shitless going into Denver. I'm like, what am I doing here? I, I'm meeting internet friends. <laughs> where's the nearest exit all of these people are so successful and they have all their shit together what is going on because that was my internal turmoil and spending time with people and learning from them and going oh well that's not that hard okay well maybe I'll do one thing oh well that one thing turned into three things oh do I have a business (laughs) and then oh, I have a business. And then talking to people like Andy Vargo, and he had, you know, multiple books, and he had an established brand with Own Your Awkward. And we were talking about how the goalposts move, and sometimes we don't take time to celebrate the wins. And so that is now one thing that I do at the end of every month. 12 things that happened this month that were pleasantly surprising, or it was a, this is nice. Let let me leave it here for a minute. Let me take a picture of that flower. Mm-hmm. And and that helps us celebrate the wins and move forward. Absolutely. And by the way, that's not the first time that I've heard that, that people walk into that room because it's only, you know, it's limited to 40 people. So there aren't a lot of people in there. And they have that sense of, oh my gosh, these people have it all together. When the reality is we are all learning and growing. We may be at different parts of our journey, but no one in that room feels like they have it all together. And the wonderful thing is after the, it's only two days, after the two days, you have this huge network of, oh, well, I like what they did. Let me, you know, take that and put my own spin on it. Or it works for them. It doesn't feel good to me. All right, I'm going to, you know, support them from afar. You know, you have your own opinions on, and and you have your own ideas, but you have so many, the support of so many other people and their networks. And, and it's the quality, not the quantity, because the quality is amazing every year. It really is extraordinary who shows up to that meeting. And I, I I can't even describe it. I'm, I'm trying to find words for it. But to me, hearing people talk about what they experience at the summit is just kind of overwhelming. And I keep coming back to the fact that it is what you make of it. It's you get out of it exactly the energy you put into it. And I just had this conversation with somebody else 
who was raving about our two boys. They're, they're young men. And she was going on and on about great job, mom and dad. Wow, you really did something special here. And all I could think was, mm, I can't take all the credit for this. I mean, we really can't. What we will take credit for is building the community that helped raise our boys to be who they are. That I'll take credit for. We nurtured this community in a town where we knew no one when we arrived. Yeah. And created this environment where people come to our house randomly at dinner time and they know they can sit down and eat with us. And our boys experienced that. They could bring friends over. Their parents, their friends' parents came over to our house. We were we were just nurturing this community of adults and kids who would support each other and help our boys grow into who they are. And that's how I think of NLV is all I did was put it, put the the venue together and create the environment. But it's those self-selected people who showed up who really made NLV what it was and who will continue to make it what it is in February of 2023 in Chicago. And I absolutely can't wait. It's honestly, it's triggering one last thought. Yes. And and I just made this analogy on my own podcast that launched last week, which was you can play guitar and you can look up to a guitarist and you can get the same guitar that they have. You can play the same notes at the same tempo, but it may not sound the same. And that's because it's heart and it's soul. And that is the part that makes a great guitar player great. That's the part that makes a great language learner, any sort of learner, great. But it's also what I see at NLV every year, which is I go there to get more heart. I go there to get more soul. Mm -hmm. But you do. I mean, we can all make Excel spreadsheets, but it's how you do it and why you do it. And that's why I keep coming back. Mm, that's a perfect analogy. I love that. You have to have soul. I've heard very precise musicians do beautiful work, but then I've heard people who aren't as precise do work that has touched me to the point of tears. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. That is a perfect way to wrap this up. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and for our listeners You'll be able to find links to Megan's website and her LinkedIn profile at elkinsconsulting.com under podcast and the show notes for this episode. Megan, thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening to Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. I'm putting some finishing touches on a new course, Get the Offer, Job Interview Storytelling, that will be available online in early fall 2022. It is so important that this course is truly relevant, helpful, and useful for my clients. So I'd love your help. Would you please email me at sarah at elkinsconsulting.com or complete the form that's linked on the blog post associated with this podcast episode to add your ideas for the course? I'd love to know your biggest challenges when it comes to job interviews. So the content of my online course is exactly what you need. 
I appreciate your help. Thanks in advance. <laughs>